we compete on the field, we absolutely don't compete off the field. We want to share each other's um, best practices. I generally almost always will pick up the phone and call a, a, a female colleague first because I know they're going to be, you know, very candid with me and really lay it to me straight and, and we can speak a similar dialogue. That doesn't mean I exclude the men, but I, I generally tap into the women first. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Power Up Women, our cross-generational conversation about leadership, power, and social justice through a female lens. I'm Ann Doyle. Today, we're going to talk about women and sports, which is still in the Stone Age when it comes to gender parity of opportunity and pay. Now, many of you know from listening to this podcast that I'm the daughter of a sports broadcaster. As a girl, I was what they used to call a tomboy who played tackle football with the boys in the neighborhood. I went on to a career in journalism, which included working for CBS Detroit in the late 70s and 80s. As one of the first full-time TV sports broadcasters as a woman in the United States, and I'm in the Michigan Journalism Hall of Fame for helping to lead that wonderful fight for equal access to sports locker rooms for female reporters. So of course, I've closely followed the progress of women athletes uh, that, that we've made since Title IX legislation was uh, passed nearly 50 years ago. So whether we're athletes, coaches, journalists, or business leaders, women still struggle for opportunity, equality, and respect in the world of sports. Today's guests are both trailblazers and role model executives working for two major professional sports teams. But before I introduce them, I want to mention two important developments related to women in sports. First, the good news. Broadcaster Lisa Byington, the new voice of the Milwaukee Bucks, is making history this season as the first full-time woman play-by-play -play announcer for a major men's professional sports team. You go, Lisa. Now, here's an example of the dark side. Thanks to a gift from a billionaire alum, every Michigan State University football player and male basketball player is receiving a $6,000 sponsorship gift this season. Not a penny of that gift will go to MSU female athletes. I can't imagine a university allowing an alum to specify that their athletic sponsorship gift would only be given to white athletes. But discriminating against an entire gender is apparently okay at Michigan State University. Just more evidence of the sexism that is still so deeply ingrained in our culture, particularly in the world of sports. So let's talk about how we're tackling that challenge with two outstanding women leaders who are off the sidelines and gaining ground in one of the most gender lopsided arenas in the professional world. Kelly Fisher is the chief financial officer at the Texas Rangers Baseball Club. A CPA, she oversees all of the financial matters for the team and serves on the board of directors for the Rangers Foundation. She is a Baylor University alum and joins us from her home in Dallas, Texas. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you. Glad to be here. 
And joining us from here in Detroit is Jonica Hawkins, Director of Executive Operations and Team Services for the Detroit Pistons professional basketball team. She earned her master's from Eastern University in the growing field of sports management. Welcome, Jonica. Hi, everyone. So excited to be here. <laughs> you know, only a fraction of positions in sports management are held today by women. So let's start by just talking about your jobs. I mean, exactly what you do. And Kelly, you know, let's start with you. You have been working in baseball for over 20 years, which is really unusual. Uh, what made you join the Texas Rangers way back then? And what is your role that you have risen to today? Well, I, uh, when I started in 1999 here with the club, um, it was truly one of those right place, right time situations. I did not seek a job in sports, uh, but when presented with the opportunity to join the team, I wasn't about to pass it up. And I am so glad that that was the case. Uh, as soon as I started here, I realized very quickly that this was an industry that um, has tons of growth, a lot of excitement. There is nothing better, in my opinion, than being affiliated with um, a team where everybody cheers at the same time and cries at the same time, so to speak. Uh, back then, we uh, were owned, uh, the, the Rangers and the Dallas Stars hockey team were actually owned by the same owner. So I had a lot of growth opportunity that maybe others in different sports organizations wouldn't have had. So I got a lot of very quick learning um, on the spot. And over the years, just found my way of um, continuing to hang on being willing to take on more and more responsibility, different uh, types of uh, work areas, uh, volunteered for projects when I could, and um, have had the honor of uh, being in the CFO role for the Rangers for uh, probably 15 years now. And uh, we've gone through multiple ownership groups. We do a lot of things besides the sport. We um, have a lot of development around our brand new stadium. And we also have um, a lot of non-baseball events. And so all those things keep the job very, very exciting. Jonica, you are really the next generation of women in sports management. And uh, I know you earned your master's in the field, as well as doing an internship with the Detroit Lions football team before you joined the Pistons. So what sparked your interest in sports, which clearly you were on that path uh, going through school? And, and what is your job today? What sparked that interest is, you know, I really played sports um, all growing up. You talked about kind of being that tomboy. That was definitely me. Um, basketball is probably my main sport. Um, I actually was going to walk on at Oakland University where I did my undergrad, but then realized, like, I wasn't going to go to the WNBA. So quickly just turned around and said, you know, let me just really work on, like, being behind the main and being behind the court and being a part of like everything that's happening um, behind the scenes. Um, so even then when I graduated, like a lot of people didn't know about like sports. So it's crazy that it's still so up and coming. So even at Oakland University, a lot of my professors were like, oh, we don't know how to help you. We don't, you know, do you want to work at Chrysler? Do you want to work at GM? <laughs> um, so I think, you know, for me, I was like, yeah, no, I kind of know what I want to do. And like, let me just go out, put you know, do all the cold calls, do all the cold emails, um, and was fortunate enough to have my first internship with the Pistons. So it's crazy that I've been able to be around the organization 
know, from such uh, early, you know, stages of like my college career. Now coming full circle, you know, day to day for me, I'm director of executive operations and team services and, you know, wear lots of hats, right? So I'm working, you know, directly with our um, vice chairman, our front office and our GM to kind of help implement some of their visions for the team and, you know, things that they kind of want to do from anything um, in the community, anything, you know, from a leadership and development culture standpoint within the organization, but also have the um, opportunity to work directly with our players on their servicing, their engagement and their development. Um, and so I think that's like a beautiful you know, blend. So I'm able to kind of really be a key voice in what they want to see and really work on all they have outside of what they're doing on the court. So that's just like, you know, really my job is to make sure they don't have to think about anything so they can just go out there and kind of play basketball. As a baby boomer, I am part of that generation of women that were, um, you know, the first sort of, you know, kicking in those doors uh, in terms of fields such as women in television news, I mean, women lawyers, I mean, women firefighters, uh, a lot of those fields that now, I mean, half of the lawyers now are women, you know, half of the doctors that are graduating are women. But the whole field of women in sports is, is very, very different in terms of that. I mean, you truly are the trailblazers in that arena, important arena of opportunity. So would you share with our listeners, what's the culture like? Because uh, whether it's just a little discomfort that you still feel, I mean, you're still usually the only woman in the room a lot. And so tell us what's that like. Kelly, let's start with you. you you've witnessed perhaps some real changes because you've been in your role uh, for over 20 years now. Yes, uh, it, was, it was definitely different when I first started. Um, there were... It, truly, I was truly the the only female in the room many, many times. Um, and at the time, I will say I was uh, naive and not really understanding how unique or special that was. Uh, but it, I think that served me well, <laughs> a little bit <laughs> as well. Um, and then really, as I got more and more exposed to the sport as a whole and the league as a whole, I started to really recognize, wow, this is rare. Um, even in my particular position, there were probably, there's probably only one other female in a CFO role um, in that era. And then certainly things have changed. I can honestly say though, the Rangers, um, we have always been, uh, you know, pretty much on the forefront of, of putting women in, in um, high ranking positions, not as many as other industries, but still not as blatant as the rest of the sport. Where I'm seeing the changes finally, are more at the league level and and really across all the teams. I mean, we finally have our first female GM. What a what a remarkable and special, unique thing. Um, and that you know, Kim Ng had served time at uh, Major League Baseball. She's so talented, and I'm just so impressed. Um, you know that the that she's been recognized for that. Um, there's a conscious effort I see happening now. And I, that's, that's going to serve us well. We do have, um, you know, groups and committees that are focused on it at, in the league as a whole, but there's, there's still a long way to go. In fact, just yesterday I was uh, answering a similar question and I'm like, ask me in five years. I can't wait to tell you what's happening in five years. Cause mm -hmm. this is the first time I've seen um, a real true conscientious effort. I give a lot of credit to, 
um, Donica's colleagues at the Mavericks in, in Dallas, because you talk about somebody on the forefront, um, not just for, for uh, the sport, but also for the city as a whole. It's just quite impressive to see. So let's table this question for a few more years, but um, I can tell you it's, it's nice to see. And I'm, I'm honored and proud to say that in my own personal organization, it has not been an issue here, which is what a luxury, right? That's not something everybody gets to say. Right, right. Fantastic. Janica, what is your experience? You are, uh, I believe, about five or six in, uh, years into your your job with the Pistons. Um, yeah, so I think for me, it's um, been interesting. I think, um, you know, like you said, the NBA has really taken a lot of focus too to just make sure that, you know, people are represented um, just across like race, gender, the whole spectrum. Um, so I think that's always been encouraging to see. I think personally for me, I can say that, you know, coming in um, in such an early part of my career, I went in and literally was working directly with our vice chairman, um, who was amazing. But, you know, a lot of times, like I would find myself yeah, in rooms where I was the only one. And then I was young, like, trying to find my voice, like, oh, should I say that? Like, yeah. do I have value? You know, I think um, there was a lot of that. And I'm not, I'm going to be completely honest. I think even to this day, I'm still having to kind of quiet that inner voice that creeps up, um, you know, and especially now transitioning, you know, working directly with the players. It's like all day, there is a lot. It's, it's very kind of skewed on the basketball operation side where we don't see a lot of women in these roles. And, you know, cause you kind of think about like, Oh, it's the locker room. You know, sometimes I feel like I have to, you know, we always have that. We have to work extra hard or I'm like, okay, let me make sure that I know the stats so that I can go into this room. But I think sometimes that's also a lot of pressure. Right. So um, I think, you know, for me, it's been able to just, continue to just be authentic and um, knowing that, you know, if someone's brought me into space, it's for the reason. And um, knowing that my voice as like a female in the room, is very unique, something they may not be used to, but something that's needed and something that's important. You mentioned the locker room. I'm curious, what's happening in terms of women in the locker rooms these days? Update me. It's been a long time since I've been in one. Kelly, what's going on in terms of that? Well, in all sincerity, my role doesn't find me down there that often, <laughs> unless there's something really wrong. I wouldn't be down there, but um, we we definitely allow women in the in the clubhouse. Um, now they're just like any any male or female; they have to be authorized and have a business purpose to be down there. Um, just yesterday, I was with our videographer that does a lot of work for our social media team, and um, she was down in the in the clubhouse and she was explaining how at times she still feels very uncomfortable and, and out of her skin, so to speak. And she's a young woman and it was, it, Jonica's words would have been so helpful for her. So I'm just delighted that um, Jonica had such great things to say just now. Um, she's, she's like, I don't know how to quiet the voice. I don't know what to, you know, I, I sometimes question whether or not I belong in there and why I'm there. And I said, well, first of all, you're there for a reason. You're there because of your talents and you just, you just have to block it. It's sad in a way that we have these inner voices, but um, it's a reality. And, and I love the just true advice that um, you just, you just address it and move on and keep focusing forward. You know, I was very lucky to have a sports broadcaster father who was an incredible mentor 
mentor to me, and he was the first one who said, Annie, you take that job, and Annie, you have to go in those locker rooms or you'll have no credibility as a sports reporter if you don't. And he took tremendous heat from his male colleagues who basically said, you got to stop her because she's going to ruin it because the teams are going to close those locker rooms down and they won't let anybody in there, which was the fight back then. You know, the male journalists were not supportive. Uh, and my dad just simply said, you know what, I, you know, Annie's been a problem since the time she was about four. I, I just can't do anything about it. But Jenica, I will say, uh, remembering those days that actually the easiest locker rooms for me to go into were in the NBA. The toughest were the NFL and Major League Baseball. Uh, hockey was pretty good. But the NBA, those players were like, come on in. <laughs> That's funny you say that we they all laugh because I'm again like hounding them for stuff all the time. So like I like have this little system where I like peek around the corner and then like the first one that sees me, they're like, okay, Jonica's coming. Like, um, so I think you know it's been um interesting just to like be able to have like these bonds created has helped a lot because um I'm able to just like there's a level of respect. And I think that's like one thing that I definitely see in the at the Pistons is that we really are like preaching all the time. Like, you know, we have to respect people like these, like everybody has a voice. So I think that's been really important. And I think too, like, it's funny, like we actually have um, our equipment manager. We, they actually, the last season and this season, we have two um, females that are on staff, right? So I think that's also an interesting arena when you think about the equipment managers. So they're wow. getting the loops, they're doing the laundry, you know, they're doing all of that stuff. And, um, you know, one of them is a little younger and, you know, we were kind of having this conversation and I kind of just told her, I was like, you know, you can set the tone, right? Like um, they're going to respect you. You just have to, you know, make sure that you are going in there, you know, head first that you have a job to do and they'll respect that right so I think but it, so that's different but I think you know the Pistons have the Pistons and the NBA as kind of we talked about it have done a good job when putting women in non-traditional spaces um you know and kind of setting a culture and a tone for that to continue to happen you know I love the sisterhood I hear from both of you because you are both talking about the importance of supporting other women we all have the most accomplished women. I have that voice too. I know her who will say, you know, who do you think you are? Or what do you mean you're trying to do this? Or you shouldn't, we all have that voice. And so I think it's just fantastic the way each of you um, encourage and support other women. And um, I'm curious about everyone in, you are both in leadership roles, your, your role models and in leadership. And all of us have defining moments, perhaps when, um, you know, something happens and it's one of those moments where you, if, if you rise to the occasion, it kind of springboards you to a higher level, but it's a little bit of a test. And um, do you have a, a moment maybe that you would share where um, you, you think about that and say, you know what, that was a really important moment for me. And the way I handled it gave me confidence or made me realize that, yeah, I can do this. Um, we were faced with some really challenging financial issues here at uh, the Rangers as a little over a decade ago. And um, 
one of the big challenges was funding deferred comp for big players. And um, although we were following the loop, we found a loophole in some of the language and how we were required to fund things. Um, I knew in my heart, I knew in my brain that it, it wasn't right. Um, very uncomfortable with it. And it took, I will be candid, it took me more than a year to come up with the, the courage to speak up and say something to Major League Baseball. Um, and, and basically a little bit of a whistleblower type situation. It took me a long time in my career to recognize, you know, how important being ethical is. And frankly, um, that that jobs can be replaced. And that was where my head was at, that I would, you know, as soon as I said something, I would lose the job and felt like my career would be over and all these horrible, horrible visions. And, and a lot of that speaks to that negative voice that I do think, you know, tends to plague women uh, much more so than men. It was actually advice from a, another colleague um, of mine, a man, frankly, but um, he said, look, you'll always be able to get another job you'll always be able to even find another career, but you will never be able to um, forgive, you know, forgive yourself for not making the right decision. Um, the words just rang true to me and they are something that I will never forget. And I, oddly, I'm still in this exact same job. <laughs> so I guess it worked out, huh? But it was, it was a scary, scary moment and, and one that I was really, really challenged by. It defined me. There's no question. It was a, a true shift, paradigm shift in my uh, my career and more, more importantly, in my mindset. Jonica, I'm wondering if there's a, a most thrilling moment that you've had. In, you know, one of those times of the fun of this, when you pinch yourself and say, I've got the coolest job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think, um, okay, let's see, I, I may have a defining moment, but mine is not as like defining, but I think it's still, it's still, well, I'm going to share it. For me, I think a defining moment was honestly, um, it was crazy. It was like when I first started working in our vice chairman's office, um, so our vice chairman's on Tom, he was like super agent. I wrote about him like in one of my papers and my master's, he was like Kobe Bryant's agent, Derek Rose, just just big time guy. Um, and it was so funny because I think, you know, again, coming in, working for him, being so young, I was like, just getting overwhelmed. You all, we all have those moments where we're like, okay, this is a lie. Can I do this? Um, and it was just like a day where I felt like I messed something up, like things weren't going necessarily how I planned. And I had to have one of those, like, I got to go to the restroom and shed a few tears moments. Um, and I think it was crazy because I'm like, I'm not, you can't never let them see you cry. I think all these things started coming to my head and I was just like, oh gosh, this is the day it all ends. They're like, she can't handle this. Um, and it was so funny. So I go to the bathroom, I come out and he's just like standing there. And I was like, oh, hi, so sorry how to, you know, go. And he was like, hey, you're okay. And I was like, huh? He was like, it's okay. What's going on? Like, talk to me. And, you know, I just had this moment where I was just like, sorry, like everything's great. I just was like feeling a little bit of pressure. Like, again, like there's like, I'm a black woman, I'm a woman. Like it was just coming on. He was like, look, I got a thing or two to teach you. It's all right. Never feel like that. And I think that moment for me was huge because I think it allowed me to be a, like vulnerability, right? Like it allowed me to feel seen. It allowed me to feel like, okay, no, 
like I'm really here for a reason and like he's going to support me through whatever and now we have this relationship so I think that was really you know it speaks a lot to just his character because I don't think that's going to be that's maybe not the story for everybody um but for me that was definitely something that helped build my confidence I think some of these moments where you're like pinching yourself it's like one of the first events that I had to do was with the commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver. Like it was probably like two weeks in and they're like, the commissioner's coming and we need to plan a lunch. And I was like, all right, I don't know what that means, but this is commissioner and it has to be right and we have to do it. And at that time, like I didn't know anything. Like I was just pulling recent. They're like, oh, and the owner's coming. Oh, and this, and we're gonna need you to escort them and this. And I'm like, all right, here we go. Here we go. So I think that was probably just one of those first moments where you're just like, oh, this is real, right? Kelly, do you have a pinch me? I'm sure you have a bunch of pinch me. Do you have a pinch me moment you want to share? I do. So I have several, but I will, I will be quick. So my, my first one is just so funny to me, but um, I got to be a uh, be on a panel to taste hot dogs. I love hot dogs. <laughs> I love being I love being at uh, sporting venues, and we were changing hot dog vendors, and we literally tasted over I don't know some un ungodly <laughs> amount of like dozens and dozens of different hot dog vendors, and they were cooked all different ways, and we cleaned cleaned our palates with um, gummy bears in between. <laughs> <laughs> a great day and I'm like this is a hoot like this is my job I'm I'm actually literally doing this uh but really truly my most just special passionate moment was uh being right behind the on-deck circle for um the Yankees when the Rangers were playing the Yankees and um Alex Rodriguez struck out to send us to the World Series so we clinched the pennant mm -hmm. this is in October of 2010 and what what made that just so remarkably special is I shared with you that defining moment just a few minutes ago and that um, created a relationship with me and the and Major League Baseball and my colleagues at Major League Baseball that truly um, most CFOs and, and really frankly our, our business colleagues don't necessarily have with the league. And they invited me to be their guest um, on the in, in the stands um, for that particular game. And so I was truly on the front row um, sitting as a guest of the commissioner and the CFO of Major League Baseball. And to, I was just like 10 feet away from Alex Rodriguez as he struck out. I wasn't right behind home plate. I was right on the on-deck circle, but wow. still. And Alex Rodriguez's contract was one of the reasons why we were having so many financial troubles. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it was just like this full circle so moment. Like, hey. <laughs> yeah, it was this Strike wonderful out. full circle moment, but I, there was a lot of pinching myself and then a lot of champagne afterwards. <laughs> so. Because there are growing numbers of women in this field, are there organizations now? I mean, is there starting to be a network across different teams and across the, the sports franchises for women to um, get to know one another and to really be a, a, a support system to one another? Absolutely, there is. There is an organization, um, Jonica, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, called uh, WISE, Women in Sports and Entertainment. And um, in fact, my husband's actually a little jealous because he feels my networks are so much stronger than anything he has. And I'm like, look, 
the good old girls are getting stronger, right? I'm like, that's a precious thought, but come on. Um, so we, these, this organization is uh, start started in New York. I, I don't know when, but it's been at least 10 years plus, and it crosses all forms of sports and entertainment. Think venues, teams, um, big, big industries that support sports like um, Under Armour and Nike and um, these are these are groups of women of all levels that um, are formed, you know, in different chapters. So there's the New York base. There's uh, several in California. I'm not sure about uh, Michigan, but uh, Dallas actually just got our first chapter. In fact, one of the first events is happening tonight. So we're really excited for that. But it's a chance for younger women and, and then more senior women to get together and chat. The programming's impressive. There's a great website out there that I encourage any female in sports to tap into. It's available to everyone. The um, entry you know, to, to be a member is pretty modest, uh, but the payoff is, is pretty considerable. So I highly, highly recommend that. And then in addition to that, um, you know, there's the, the unofficial colleagues. Uh, I, I know generally when I need to tap into another team and, and find a best practice, I always say we, we compete on the field. We absolutely don't compete off the field. We want to share each other's um, best practices. I generally almost always will pick up the phone and call a, a, a female colleague uh, first because I know they're going to be you know very candid with me and um, really lay it to me straight and, and we can speak a similar dialogue. That doesn't mean I exclude the men, but I, I generally tap into the women first. Oh, you mentioned WISE, which is, yes, we have a Detroit chapter. Um, so I've been able to like go into that and it's been, again, so encouraging. I think it's just nice people that you be like, huh, wait, you're going through that too? Oh, I'm not the only one. So I think having that, you know, natural kind of safe space where you can be yourself has been huge. With the NBA, we actually did a seminar um, last end of last season where it was like basically all for women, all every every team could have representation. We had sportscasters, we had so many different people come in and just like share their stories. But then we have breakout groups where we can like talk and individual groups that they kind of put us in where we now have like monthly meetings and things like that. So I definitely think we're um, like you said, kind of owning that power and realizing like, no, we have to support each other. We have to like have these conversations and like, it's not excluding the guys, but it's just like, we're coming together, you know, for each other. Uh, this has been so much fun and you have um, really, I hope, you know, just intrigued and inspired our listeners. Uh, so any last advice you have for someone who is listening, who may be interested herself or may have a daughter or a granddaughter who, um, is interested in this field. I think one thing that I've really been trying to kind of lean into is just like this, like lead authentically. Um, I think, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of people that are kind of telling, you know, you're seeing the media, there's so much out there now that's telling you like, you have to be this way or you have to follow this rubric. And, but the reality is, is there's not, right? And I think you're gonna do your best work. You're gonna have the most fulfillment. You're gonna, you know, show up for people your best possible way when you do it authentically. Um, so for me, I think that's been something that's been huge. Like I'm very much a naturally like, bubbly, like fun, like, you know, loving person. And if 
I was to go into work every day and, you know, hide those things, then I'm not being true to myself and I'm doing a disservice to all those around me. So I think, you know, just like letting your personality shine and not, you know, being, you know, afraid to like be you, I think is huge. And I know sometimes it may sound like cliche because it's maybe overplayed, but I think that's really um, important. And then I think like we always talk about there's room at the table, there's room at the table. Like um, I think that's like very important or like when you find your seat at the table, like bringing people along with you. Um, I think that's always been something and it can start at whatever age. Like I know you're like, oh, trailblazer, but I'm like, oh, I have a lot of ways to go and a lot more I want to do. But I think there's college students, right? If you're in your college program and, you know, you are leading an organization, you have a platform to bring people into the fold. So I don't think there's any age limit, anything like anyone can really, you know, kind of bring someone behind you and um, keep this momentum going. Well, that is fantastic. Thank you both, Kelly Fisher of the Texas Rangers and Jonica Hawkins of the Detroit Pistons. Thank you for your leadership. You are role models. You are trailblazers in uh, a very, very tough but important arena in terms of women's opportunities. And I love your sisterhood, your commitment to helping others and opening the doors, continuing to push those doors open. And thanks for joining us at Power Up Women. We hope you'll subscribe, share us with your network, and rate us wherever you get your podcasts because it really helps to build our listenership. And remember, when one woman rises, we all rise. So make sure you reach back and lift others as you climb. I'm Ann Doyle.